Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. The one interview that I would love to have done would have been to interview Tiger Woods. He's approaching 40. He's experienced serious physical issues, which resulted in back and knee surgeries. And the world, of course, has devoured news about Tiger's personal life and his challenges. So what are Tiger's views of life now? What are his golf ambitions? What are his personal objectives? Canada's Dean of Golf Riders and member of the Canadian Golf Hall of Fame, Lauren Rubenstein, was granted an interview by Tiger Woods that appears in Time magazine. And what did Tiger tell Lauren? Lauren Rubenstein joins me, golf writer and author of Mo and Me and other fabulous books. You want a golf book for Christmas? You want to buy a golf book for somebody for Christmas? Buy a golf book by Lauren Rubenstein. Buy more than one. Mo and Me is just a fantastic journey. Also columnist for Score Golf Magazine. Uh, Lauren, this is an interviewer quizzing the interviewer, me talking to you, about an interview any of us would have loved to have been able to do. How did it come about? Well, I just uh, approached Tiger's people a number of months ago, uh, before his most recent uh, back surgeries in, in September, uh, knowing, obviously, that he was coming up to his 40th birthday, and I figured I might as well get my request in early. Uh, and, uh, you know, I asked for um, pretty much unfettered access because I, I knew, you know, the way I wanted to approach the piece. And we talked about it, and it went from there. They agreed to provide me exclusive access to him. And uh, then we found the right setting. Uh, well, he wanted to do it in his restaurant, and uh, Time Magazine uh, agreed to do it. So it, uh, it went from there. It was, it was pretty smooth, really. It was it was. Uh, the whole the whole process was easy in a sense and enjoyable, uh, and uh, then we sat down and talked for the two and a half hours a couple of weeks ago. It's pretty cool, huh? Ask a question, you never know what the answer will be. That's it, and, <laughs> and, and for sure, if you don't ask the question, nothing's going to happen. It's like a guy, I don't know if this is a true story or not, but another guy in broadcasting wanted to speak to Bill Clinton, uh-huh. and so he called the Bill Clinton Foundation or someplace in, in, in New York and identified himself and said he wanted to talk to the president and... Two minutes later, Bill Clinton's on the phone with him. Yeah. So, you know, you, I know you, you never... hear those stories and you say, yeah, sometimes the simplest things work. Why didn't look I do hard that? For somebody, maybe look them up in the phone book if people still use landlines and you yeah, might yeah. find them. How did you feel going into this? Totally comfortable, totally at ease. I mean, you know, it's golf. It's what I've been doing for 35, 40 years. And uh, I'd heard Tiger speak enough in interviews. I had uh, uh, a one-on-one, you might say a a (laughs) two-on-one, with him a number of years ago when uh, me and John Paul Newport from the Wall Street Journal had breakfast with him uh, at uh, Isleworth Golf Club in Florida in Orlando a number of years ago. I don't know, eight, ten years ago. So, I mean, I I knew that he was an engaging guy, and I knew that underneath this guard, protective shield, uh, who knows what it's like to walk in Tiger Woods' shoes. I knew that there was a, a pretty, uh, in a sense, an introspective guy there. You could tell. It, it eked out sometimes. And uh, um, so really, I mean, I wasn't anxious at all. I just hoped the interview would get off on a smooth footing, which it did, and it just proceeded. And I mean, it was hard to believe two and a half hours had passed through a working lunch. Uh, and uh, then it was. Then we were done. I mean, it had to stop somewhere. I could have gone on for two and a half weeks. Yeah. What was the question you most wanted to ask, and at what point did you ask it? Uh, Well, I suppose the questions, you know, the questions really that I wanted to ask, I did ask. Um, There were other questions. Uh, I don't think there was, that's a tough question, right? I don't think there was one question above all 
that I really wanted to ask. Um, I, I did want to really, I hope that I'd get into, uh, that I'd engage him enough that he would talk about um, what golf meant to him. And I think right. that really came out when he talked about, in that, in a way, startling brief comment where he mentioned that the only piece I find really is on the golf course between the ropes and when I'm hitting shots. Sometimes the fewest words, as you know, as a man who's done 70,000 interviews um, can tell, uh, uh, sometimes the, 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 the most immediate responses and the, the sharpest and the, are the most incisive. And that really told me a lot, yeah. told me a lot about what the game means to him and what it's like to kind of walk in his shoes and be around him uh, or just to be him. Um, you know, there were other questions uh, a lot of other questions I asked um, that weren't in the interview that were more, that in the published interview that were um, much more, in a sense, golf specific. I mean, the trick in this interview, Roy, was I was I was dealing with um, it was Time Magazine, so it's a general readership. Um, I mean, a lot of people would have read it just because it was Tiger Woods, uh, but they may not have known much about golf. So I couldn't do too much inside baseball, if you know what I mean, right. questions. And, and um, I asked some right. of those that aren't in there, but I, we could have gone into that a lot uh, if, we, if, that, if we wanted to, but not for that publication. At the same time, Tiger Woods has achieved uh, you know, has so much because he, as a golfer, and that's what he does. So I wanted to have enough of that in there too. So that was a trick to balance out those two elements. And, um, you know, I think, uh, and Tiger knew that we'd be dealing with personal, non-personal. I mean, he knew going in that we'd be, that there were no conditions attached to the interview. We'd be just talking about everything. Uh, so it, uh, it, that's why it ran pretty smoothly. I was never uh, anxious and saying, oh, I wonder if he's going to answer this question or if this is going to make him walk out of the room. There was none of that. Yeah. Let's talk about what he said to you about his personal life, uh, his health and his priorities. Golf remains a significant priority for him, uh, but he has other priorities as well. Um, his kids. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, two, it's what, um, six years since his personal life um, got on all the front pages around the world, uh, his private life, and it's also eight years or seven years, seven and a half years now since he won his last major championship on a broken leg, the U.S. Open in San Diego 2008. Uh, and in those uh, seven years, um, you know, one of his, his son seven years ago when he won the U.S. Open, his son uh, wasn't born yet, and his daughter was an infant. So his kids have grown up now to the extent that he can go out and be on the ball fields with them and have fun. And at the same time, when his private life um, kind of um, shattered, he had to rebuild it and and rebuild it in a way with his ex-wife around uh, their two kids to make sure that they were well taken care of and that they, they didn't um, suffer too much. So and Tiger, you know, they've, they, it seems to me from what he said that they were very, very um, careful about what how they have approached that. They worked uh, uh, as, a, as a, you know, a husband and wife and a father and mother to give those kids all the love that they deserve and all of the attention. And I think uh, uh, that from what I can tell, what I hear, they've done a tremendous job of that. And, uh, you know, he knows that there's going to come a day when those kids will, you know, get on the Internet and look. So he's, as he said in the interview, and he was very open about that, uh, he's dealt with that and told them that, hey, Daddy made some mistakes and da-da-da-da-da. And as they get older and able to handle more information, he'll tell them the story. Yeah. And he has a good relationship now with his ex-wife. Yeah, they're, he, he described it as their best friends, and he said that a few times. And, uh, you know, I think he meant by that they're best friends in the sense they talk to each other. They've gotten past whatever they needed to get past. Um, and uh, it's all about the kids. So uh, that's what they built their, you know, the foundation of their friendship is around the kids. And, uh, you know, it seems very, it seems healthy to me, really. Yeah. Can you stay a little longer? 
Uh-huh. Okay. We're going to come back uh, more with Lauren Rubenstein on uh, the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network and talk more to Lauren about his interview with uh, Tiger Woods. And remember that uh, you can get Lauren's books at a bookstore near you or Amazon.ca. Or, uh, and I would suggest that you, like I said, for Christmas time, you want a golf book, you want a good book, buy one of Lauren's books. They're just fantastic Fantastic reading. Lauren Rubenstein, um, also columnist for scoregolf.com. We're back in a minute. You will find Lauren Rubenstein's column, his interview with uh, Tiger Woods in Time Magazine, the founded online, and uh, it is just absolutely terrific reading. Great questions, and uh, clearly Tiger Woods was very comfortable speaking with Lauren, who's with us on the Roy Green Show, golf writer and author. My favorite uh, book of Lauren's is Mo and Me, Columnist for scoregolf.com. I almost want to ask you about the comparison between Tiger Woods and Mo Norman, but we don't have enough time. Um, well, he talked about Mo a little bit. You know, he admi- oh, did he? He admires Mo. That's and was very, is very interested in the way he swung the golf club. And uh, yeah, I mean, we didn't talk too much about it. it wasn't the purpose, but uh, I've talked about Mo with him before, and uh, he, he himself, you know, brought it up a, a little bit during the during the our, our chat. So yeah. You know, Lauren, so much has been said and written uh, for the for the last six years about Tiger's private life. The guy can't do anything anymore without it being reported on. And I understand that, and I'm sure he does as well. But where does golf fit into his life now? Is he still driven to, to win a major? Does he... I mean, I, I read where you said he still believes that at age 40 he can come back and he can he can dominate again, he can be number one again. Does he well, really believe he's that? healthy. I mean, he showed in 2013. He won five times. He right. didn't win a major. Right. That was a pretty dominating performance that year. Um, so if he's healthy, yeah, he definitely feels. But he's got to be healthy. As you say, he's 40 years old. He's had multiple surgeries. Um, he hasn't much had really a lot of opportunity to play in the last few years in full schedules without being interrupted by some kind of an injury. So, uh, but he, yeah, I mean, he's, he needs to get 100% healthy. He needs to be able to play without back pain because uh, that's got to be really tough. I mean, you know, when you're taking that club back and then you're coiling as he does. Uh, so he's got to get that fixed first. He's not going to come back too early, as he admitted he's done before, uh, even though he's played through the pain and he's won some championships while doing that. And he said there's also been damage because of that. Uh, so that's enough for the surgeries, and he's going to take his time coming back. And if he is healthy, with that caveat, he feels he can win uh, and win majors. Um, he also, at the same time, it, that intense passion, it's still there, but it's also you know, modulated by the fact that uh, he's got these growing kids and he's been injured, and so you know, he's trying to put together a, a life that makes sense on a number of different fronts than maybe eight or ten years ago. Um, you asked Tiger about whether he's driven by matching and surpassing Jack Nicklaus' 18 majors. I can't, I can't watch an hour of a golf tournament Without that coming up from mm-hmm. somebody who's doing commentating on the on the uh, on, on the tournament, it always comes up. Mm-hmm. What did he say to you about that? Well, he said that uh, you know, I mean everybody thinks that there was uh, something like a poster on his wall uh, when he was a kid growing up in his bedroom that had Jack's uh, record of 18 majors there, one after the other after the other, and he said that's you know the biggest misconception about him uh and what he had up there was age-related records for nicholas when he what age he was when he first broke 40 first broke 80 won the uh his first uh major championship the u.s open that sort of a thing and he said that's what he was trying to match he never had the 18 majors and that's what most people have uh have thought over the years um including myself and uh that's just what was out there 
apparently Hank Haney in his book The Big Miss about his years working with Tiger said that Tiger was you know him was not that driven to uh, hit the 18 or pass it, but he felt that if he played the kind of golf he was capable of, maybe he would get there. So I think that's what he's trying to do, get back to where he can just you know play the kind of golf he's capable of, and he feels that if he can do that, then he'll have a chance eventually of matching it. Of course, time is getting short now. It's going to be really, it's going to be difficult to get to, get to that. It's going to be difficult to win one more major, but let him get healthy and we'll see. You know, I think we've all in the last couple of years seen some of Tiger's worst moments on a golf course. Um, coming out of a sand trap, relatively easy shot, sails over the green, ends up in another sand trap, mm-hmm. or he just chili dips it, or something. Something right. odd happens. Something that is that I would do on a golf course, but not Tiger Woods. But you also asked him, Lorne, and I think we all think we know what his best moment was from watching him. I, I, most of us might gravitate to that ball spinning around the cup 67 times in the, <laughs> the U.S. Open and then just dropping with the Nike logo. The Masters, so, yeah, that was the Masters. The Masters, right? yeah. yeah. So, so visible. What was his greatest moment? What did he say his greatest moment was? Well, you know, I feel like, he really thinks that that you know he didn't specifically say what his greatest moment. Just from talking to him, though, I would say one of his greatest moments, if not the greatest, is when he you know, won that 2008 U.S. Open on that broken leg, and when he made that putt to go into the playoff with Rocco Mediate 15 right. feet over kind of scratchy, bumpy ground. And uh, he knows what he accomplished there and how tough it was, and all of the physical therapy he needed all week just to be able to get out in the golf course. Really, you saw him go down on his knees a number of times there. So that was a tremendous accomplishment. But you know, also winning the U.S. Open by 15. He told me this wasn't in, in the published transcript in the interview, but uh, he just said absolutely everything was working for him that week. So in terms of, and, and he did make a triple bogey along the way on Saturday, and he still won by 15 shots. So he was in a world of his own that week. And, uh, you know, he spoke about that with obvious uh, great affection. <laughs> 15 shots. I mean, you just think about that golf tournament. So many tournaments are won over four days by one stroke. Yeah, you're right. Or go to a playoff. Like back in then, they said there was Tiger, and then there was another tournament for second place. Um, What about his legacy? What does he say about that? Well, what he says in the interview is that the best thing uh, we, you know, as soon as I asked him that question, he talked more about off the course than on the course. Because, and I think he was taking a long view of that. He knows that 50 years, 100 years from now, even now, kids at his Tiger Woods Learning Centers, and I've been to his learning center. My wife and I were out there. We did an, did an article for Golf World about it a few years ago in California. And, uh, you know, you go through there. There are kids five, six, seven years old. They don't really know who Tiger Woods is. And he pointed out that there are kids that age who, who don't know what Michael, who Michael Jordan is. Uh, they know his logo, the Jumpman logo. So he said the best thing in a way would be if his foundation thrives. And, you know, it really is important to him, that foundation. It really is. He's put a lot into it. He's put a lot of his own money into it. They've got $100 million endowment. So I think he's mature enough and now that, uh, you know, he knows his golf legacy in a sense is set already. Like he said the other day, anything that happens from now would be gravy. But, uh, you know, he's thinking about making a bigger contribution. And uh, I think that's was important too, and it's increasingly important, again, as his kids are growing older, and as he says, he's lots of kids who do need help, and that's where his uh, foundations are, are, are centered, his learning centers. I have one more question for you, and I, I was going to hesitate asking, or I did hesitate asking this, but the voyeur in all of us kind of wants it answered. Uh, a, lot of, a lot was said, a lot was written about his relationship with Lindsey Vaughn, the skier. Uh, you spoke to him about that. Did he talk to you about what his expectations are for himself going forward, his personal life? Um, not specifically. He talked about that relationship with Lindsey Vaughn and how they just didn't have enough time uh, together. She was off 
practicing in South America, and he was playing golf and that sort of. So they didn't say that was the problem. But, uh, you know, this was really tightly focused on his coming up the 40th birthday. And, uh, you know, we didn't really get into uh, any expectations or hopes he had for his personal life. So 40 years of age, Tiger thinks if he can get his health back, he can still compete with the with the best that's of the, the young. Line. Yep, that's the bottom line. The takeaway would be that there's an equanimity about him, but it's allied now to the, uh, the fierceness that he's always had. Is I don't see it as being tempered, but uh, it's allied to an equanimity and a peace about him as he's getting through everything he's gotten through and coming out to the other yeah. side. Experience is a wonderful ally if you put it to use. Yeah, we got to learn from our mistakes, and, um, you know, he's no different. I saw a human being in front of me there. Yeah, pretty cool. Lauren, thank you so much uh, for, for talking uh, to us about your interview with uh, Tiger Woods. A fascinating reading. I'm going to read it again tonight. I <laughs> just find it so, it's such a compelling tale of our times, and we became, the world intruded on a life that was so private prior to that. It was always called privacy, so. Yeah, you know, thank as you. I asked, you know, asked myself rhetorically, who knows what it's like to walk in the shoes of anybody who's a mega celebrity. You yeah. just, just don't know. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate the time. Okay, Roy, you bet. All the best. Thank you. Lauren Rubenstein and uh, at Lauren Rubenstein on Twitter. And uh, his books, as I say, are just just amazing. If you love golf, if you love sort of the humanity of, of, um, of, of a story, you'll enjoy Lauren's books greatly. Mo and Me is just a fantastic, fantastic read about Canada's legendary Mo Norman.